Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. It seemed like yesterday that Oli and Shvan were boys. Why is it you just mentioned their two names? <laughs> These are real people. We need to have a little grace here. But it seemed like yesterday, Oli and Sven were boys, and they were playing baseball. A game that they just loved. Every time I think of this story, I think of the movie Sandlot. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Well, so as they were getting older, they got together and made a pact. Whoever died, they would come back, and by the grace of God, he would give them permission to tell them that there's baseball in heaven. As you can imagine, Oli died, and that very night after his funeral, he was granted the privilege by God to fulfill and make good on that promise. Sven couldn't believe it. He woke up, and there he was, standing at the end of his bed. Oli, my dear friends, you're here. So tell me, tell me, you have to. Is there baseball in heaven? To which Oli replied, well, I have good news, and I have some sort of bad news. Well, tell me, what's the good news? There is baseball in heaven. They jumped up and down. Finally, he said, well, what's the bad news? Well, you're pitching in an hour. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's bad news, but here's the deal. We all could be pitching in an hour. See, I, I, I say it all the time because I, I, it's not that I have a fascination with death. I actually have this love affair with it. And it always is a thing and a subject that I keep coming back to because I'm not sure that many who claim to be Christ followers do. I'm, I'm convinced there are people in the name of God who'd rather stay here forever than they would want to die and be home with the Father. You just listen to how they talk. You listen to how they receive what they call bad news. You listen to how they offer prayers. I've said it over and over. I get it. I understand it from the human perspective, but we're to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. That's what my Bible says. But when people ask me over and over, how's your mom and dad? I'm almost fearful to tell them. Well, everything's good. Oh, it's good to hear. Well, if I told you he died, would you say the same thing? I don't want to break the news to you, but I will go ahead and break it to you. My mom and dad are looking forward to being with Jesus forever. I'm just letting you know that. I just, I, it's an odd thing. I have people come up to me and go, Pastor, you got to pray. You got to pray for my grandma. You got to pray for my grandma. Okay, so what's going on? They told her she's going to die. So really, how old is she? Well, she's 98. <laughs> what do you want me to pray for? That God would get her better. Father, let her die, okay? Because she's going to get a whole lot better real fast. So my first question is, does she know Jesus? Because see, that's the real issue. Because she doesn't know Jesus. You know what I'm going to pray? I'm going to pray, God, let her still live here until someone really helps her understand Jesus. Because dying is going to really suck for her and for you. 
because they can't eulogize the loss. For when you die, you're either home with the Father or you're separated from Him forever. Not everybody goes to heaven. We did a message on that. So if you're a guest, some of you are thinking, oh, i got to go to a different church. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, no. You're at the right one. Because we don't mess around with this stuff. There's more to come, folks. There's either good news or there's really tragic news, right? And Jesus said, the good news is narrow. Sadly, few will ever find what it means to live with me forever. But wide is the gate that leads to death and destruction and to hell. And many will go by that. So in this church, we're always going to preach the gospel of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. But here's the deal. Did you know 166,279 people were in the world last week who are no longer in the world this week? Have you ever thought about that? In fact, let me just have a show of hands. How many know someone who died this past week? Put your hand up. Come on, go ahead and put your hand up. Okay. Did you know when they were going to die? It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm going to flip this, but it really sets up to where I'm going. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I've known doctors who literally told someone, listen, you only have but a few months to live, and then they live for many years. I also know where they told them you have only but a few years, and they died within a few days. Bottom line is I've never known anyone in the medical field to say this, listen, you need to know, you're going to die in 14 days, 6 hours, 29 minutes, and 11 seconds. I know no one. And they pulled out their phone and hit the stopwatch and went, all right. Because <laughs> it's only an educated guess based upon what we've known. But the fact is, no one knows. And some of you might be pitching in an hour. <laughs> Which means, you know how I preach, means, means if that's true, it'll happen in this room. Okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> but we say it over and over, don't we? Life is a quick trip. Look at someone and say, it's a quick trip. Some of you are looking at someone and you're thinking, dear Lord, I've been married to you like 60 years. Yeah, it's a quick trip. It goes by quick, doesn't it? It's crazy. I mean, I'll say it again. I moved here 23 years ago this May. 23 years ago. 23 years ago right now, I wasn't even here. I was in Williston, North Dakota. Wondering what I was doing in Williston, North Dakota. Right, Barbie? All right. But 23 years this May, we moved here. I had but one daughter. My middle one wasn't even born. She wasn't even on our radar yet. And this fall, that same daughter who didn't exist is going to make me a grandpa. It's a quick trip, folks. It is a quick trip. And yet what's sad is we still get so wrapped up in the vapor that's here one day and gone tomorrow and we forget about something that's so much greater that's still to come. And I'm going to keep saying that because you're going to hear some things in this message that I think is so important as we're heading into not just another Easter, because please, that's always my greatest fear. Here comes another Christmas. It's not just another Christmas. For some of you in this room, you don't realize 
that I'm looking forward to being a grandpa and based upon our world's law of averages, I have 15 Christmases left. I have 15 Thanksgivings left. That's it. And they'll be here one day and be gone tomorrow. It is such a quick trip. It goes by so fast. I actually thought about showing you the first message I preached here. I almost thought about showing you that. Not, not the message, okay, but the picture. Setting behind me is Chris Fickle on the drums. Neither one of us knew what gray hair was, okay? <laughs> it's crazy. It's just an unbelievable mm, trip. How many, how many have heard that old adage, time flies? How many have heard that? Okay, well, first of all, you need to know it doesn't. It's not true. It's a lie. It's a myth. Did you know that time is but one of the few constants we actually have? I don't think people realize that. The problem is never time. Five minutes ago today is the same as it was 20 years ago, 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago. And five minutes will be the exact same it was 20 years from now, 200 years from now, and 2,000. It is an unbelievable, consistent thing. The problem is, is our inconsistency of understanding it. Time, same thing. It doesn't fly, it ticks. It's all it does, every day, except one day. And it'll stop ticking. It's just a fact of life. And each one of those ticks is non-refundable. Can never get it back. It's crazy, isn't it? And yet most people, under, even under the umbrella of God, will spend more time going, why didn't I? Mm. Boy, if I would have. Mm. Man, I messed that up. Mm. And what they're doing is the very thing that God doesn't want us to do rather than going, wow, today I can make a count. Mm. Hey, do you know I love you? Hey, wow, look at you. Hey, look, look at you. Most conversations are about back there. Most investments are made on the past. And yet we miss the incredible moment in what could be. A.W. Tozer once wrote these words, time is a resource that is non-renewable. It's non-transferable. You cannot store it. You cannot slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You cannot hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. So I want you to look at the screen. I want everybody to read out loud with me the Psalm of David. And I, I, I want you to catch this. This should be our prayer. This should be our heartfelt moment every day of our life. You should print this verse and put it on the dashboard of your car. You should go home with your wife's lipstick and write it on the mirror in the bathroom. You should post this every day and this should be your prayer. If you could just get up every morning and memorize this and it would come from your heart, not your head, it would change your life. I want you to read it out loud with me. Psalm 39, verse four, come on. Lord, 
Remind me how brief my time on earth is. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. Wow. God, remind me, remind me. Every time we pick up the bread and the wine, what's it? Remember, remember, remember. If, boy, if we could only, how many people go, but if we could just take communion more. I don't know about you. I just wish we'd live the moments we actually, when we took it. It saddens me how many people go, well, I got to take communion because that'll get me through my day. No, 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 no. You need to take communion to remember what Jesus Christ did for you every second of your life. That's what he wants us to do. Don't take communion out of here. Take it out of here. It's the only reason you and I are here today. It's the only reason we have hope. It's the only reason we get to experience love. All the joys and the blessings of life are because of that cross called Calvary. Hence, when we're coming in to Easter, which like Christmas, we're flipping because it should be every day, should it not? You know, there's a popular activity in Switzerland called mountain climbing. Anybody ever been to Switzerland? Hey, whoa, wow. I did not expect that. Was it while I've been your pastor? I just wonder why you didn't take me. <laughs> so, because that's one of my bucket list things, if I could have it, which we'll come to that in a moment. But mountain climbing in Switzerland is unlike the idea of climbing out at Fig Newton Hills, okay? All right, this is that higher elevation stuff. This is, this is a little bit more than a bike trail, okay? It's crazy when I hear people go, oh, I went bike riding, went all the way to Canton. Okay, that's neither uphill nor downhill. You understand that? Okay, depending, depending on the direction, it blew you to Canton. And then you had someone pick you up because there was no way you were coming back, even if you had a Harley. Okay, all right. But the mountain hiking in Switzerland is a world-renowned draw. Every time you go hiking, there's a place called a base camp or a halfway house in which you can take a break for a moment. Maybe eat some lunch, take a rest before you continue to climb. But sadly, so much like in life, some take a break, but then they choose to opt out on the rest of the climb. Something about the warmth and the comfort, right? Thus, as some hikers leave to finish their climb, don't miss this, by which they came. The ones who chose to stay behind seem happy. They seem talkative only for a moment. But as soon as the sun begins to fall and the shadows begin to lengthen, it seems that many make their way to the window, looking up the mountain, wishing they would have continued to climb. I can't speak for you, but I'm wondering right now if you actually died from an eternal perspective. If you died and you were pitching, would God say, well done? Could you even have a conversation with God about the eternal things that you invested in or would you just talk about the earthly things that flippin' make no difference? See, I, I just have to wonder, 
But I think we have to ask the question without pushing back, without going, God, why does he always speak that way? Because you need to understand there is more to life than we understand about life. God has bigger things for us and we keep settling and opting out for the things that seem to be comfortable and complacent. We're getting all messed up about things that don't really matter. Conversations about politics, who's president, who should be president, what bills should be passed. Please hear me. Those are minuscule things in the, in, in the presence of who God is and what really matters. You and I just think it really matters. But it's just another way of excusing the fact because you need to understand something. Nothing that Washington can do can stop me from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. I know that to be true because right now in some of the most socialistic places in the world, the gospel of Christ is flourishing in unbelievable rapid rates. I can tell you it's not in a place called freedom. We need to ask ourselves as Christians when we die, do we, do we really think God owes us? Does he really see our lives as an act of worship? And I can say that to whether you're young or you're elderly. Because this vapor is such a quick trip. It doesn't matter how old you are. God can still do amazing things through you. And if you read the scriptures, he's got more and more stories about that than he does the younger generation. So it's never too late when it comes to the hand of God. There's work to be done. I don't want to be a church looking up the mountain going, what could have been? In fact, I want you to write a date down. Some of you probably saw it if you remember the church. April 3rd, 5 o'clock, which is next Sunday. April 3rd, 5 o'clock. April 3rd, 5 o'clock. Say with me. April 3rd, 5 o'clock. You don't have to be a member to attend it. But we're going to talk about, should we add on a welcome center? Should we do the coffee shop? But you need to understand something. I'm not so much interested as your pastor to talk about, should we do that? I want to talk to you why I think we should. But then I'm going to share some things with you that are going to blow your mind. Because I'm so amped up about where we're going, what could be, that we need to ask ourselves. We really need to ask ourselves. And next April, I say it all the time, I wish this room was packed. I don't know why it's not packed. I wish it was packed. I'm going to say it again. I don't know why it's not packed. Because people need Jesus. That's, that's the answer to everything. It's the, the absolute answer to everything is Jesus. And the church is the carrier of that. And so I'm going to share with you some whys, but I'm going to paint some pictures to you that I think we're in a season of our lives, but it's going to cost us everything in this room. Almost to the point that I'm going to ask this question, is it time for us to close our doors and quit talking? I hope you'll come because I'm excited about sharing with you the why. Why I think we need to do some things, but I want to share the bigger why, the greater why that I think God has for us. And the reason why I think we need to more than ever, I think we have the ability to change and impact our, not just city, but our area and possibly the world. And some people go, oh my goodness, he's so idealistic. I don't know about you, but so is my God. Okay. Parting water's pretty idealistic. Okay. All right. Rising from the dead. Hmm. Little idealistic. Okay. All right. I want to live in that world. Because that's the world that God wants us to live in. Because that's when he has to do we can't, right? So I hope you'll come. Even if, even if you're not a member, just let us know you'll be there. Okay? 
because we're going to talk. It's going to be an incredible time next Sunday. Can't wait. In the crypts of the Westminster Abbey, the following words, listen to these, the following words are written on the tomb of an Anglican bishop who lived in the 11th century. This is like a thousand years ago, right? Here's what, here's what is written. When I was young and free, my imagination had no limits. I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser, I discovered the world would not change. So I shortened my sights somewhat and decided to change only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew in my twilight years, in one last desperate attempt, I settled for changing only my family, those closest to me. But alas, they would have none of it. And now as I lie in my deathbed, I suddenly realized, watch this, if I'd only changed myself first, then by example, I would have changed my family. And from their inspiration and encouragement, I would have then been able to better my country. And who knows, I may have even changed my world. The power of who you are, instead of waiting for someone else to do what God purposed you to do, and when we all do that collectively, what could change in our world? If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, and I'm going to get again real personal with you. If it's okay, I'm going to open up my life a little bit and tell you what I've been doing and what God's just asking me, and I'm hoping it will be an encouragement to you. Two things that I've shared many, many years ago, in fact, a little over 10 years ago, I've sort of retweaked them, getting a little bit more personal where I'm at. At 57, instead of thinking about what it means to sort of coast, I'm more convicted and more committed right now to things that are more challenging for me than ever before. Ephesians 5, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, beginning in the 15th verse. Here's what it says. So be careful how you live. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise. Here's the wisdom. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Notice the word opportunity. I would encourage you to circle it. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't let your life stay in the middle of your mind as we talked last week. Move it to the frontal cortex. Be intentional about your thinking. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. By the way, he's not talking about actually the practical moment, even though that was important in those days. But that's a whole other message. But he's talking about this. Don't get yourself into the mode of just being a taker, thinking that it's just about hanging out and partying. That's that thoughtless thinking. Your life is better than that. Look what he says. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. What's the point? Do you even ask yourself why I'm having this drink in the first place? Is it really purposeful or am I just fitting in? I mean, it blows my mind that Christians even talk about, can you drink when you're a Christian? Why is that a big issue? Who, who cares? They're like, that just blows my, that's what he's talking about. Really? That's the focus of your life? How you can justify something that you want to do? 
Paul says Christians don't think that way. They always think about what does someone else need? I want to I live a life for them. An example by which they could follow. Here's what he says. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks for what? Come on. Give, your thank, give thanks for what? Everything. All my life, you have been faithful. <laughs> Even when the prodigal child runs. All my life, you've been so, so good. See, every breath I give thanks. I give thanks to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things real quick, write the first one in. If we're going to live such a life, an intentional life, and make our lives count, especially in our world today, you have got to decide, we have got to decide, be determined to fully live our lives with no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Paul said, be careful how you live. Don't live like an ignorant person, but like a wise person, making the best use of your time. Live with no regrets. I heard it said that our lives should be measured by the number, not by the number of breaths we take, but our lives should be remembered or, 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 or measured by the number of moments that take our breaths. You see the difference on that? This is what Jesus meant when he said, my purpose is to give you life and that your life would be to the full. I want to live that full life. So I told you I'm going to get personal. I'm going to tell you how I've been doing it. And I'm hoping this will help. Here's the first one. I'm focusing on my why. Every day I get up, I did it this morning. I do it every morning I get up. I focus on my why. Why I do what I do. Why I'm getting out of bed. Why I'm taking the next step. Why I'm going to church today. Why I'm going to preach what I'm going to preach. Why? 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 Watch this. I focus on why I do what I do. I spend no time thinking about what I still would like to do. I start with my why. I start with my why. See, if you're still, listen, I press on to what lies ahead, but I'm pressing towards something because of the why that I'm already embraced. Some of you get up, and the only reason you get up is because you still haven't figured out why. That's why you're chasing what you're chasing. You're still looking for something to give you fulfillment. You don't come to church to worship the God who gives you fulfillment. You come here still hoping that maybe this might make a difference. That's why it's an option where for me it's not. This is part of what I have to have in my life. Because it's all about the why. You might want to write this down. Our God is a God of assignment. Okay? Our God is a God of assignment. I've always said it, two days, the most important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you figure out why. And when you figure out why, every day you get up, you're on assignment. But if you haven't figured out the why, you ready for this? You're going to experience discouragement. And God is never a God of discouragement. That's a man-made thing. When you understand why and understand how much God, that's why I think Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, 
It's been such a number one seller. And the reason why is because it's helping people try to find that why. Or at least you're realizing people are looking for it. Why I do what I do. Why I get up. See, when I keep looking for the what, when I'm still about the chase, that's where discouragement comes in. Do you understand why? Because when we fall short, we're like, oh, darn it. But I have so much less discouraged in my life because every day is an opportunity. It's an assignment. Make most of every opportunity. See, when you keep looking for something to fulfill your life, you're going to miss the opportunities that you could have given to in that very moment. That's why people, when you're going through life, that's why when sudden cuts you off, that's why we're so angry about it. Why? Because I'm going. I got things to do. The question is, what do you got to do? Maybe when that person cuts you off, the first thing you need to ask yourself is, why am I frustrated? God, am I chasing something? Why am I so frustrated having to wait in that line? Why do I keep looking for the shorter line? Maybe one of my God assignments today is in that line. And when you get up with your why, it changes everything in your life. It begins to change everything. I'm starting to focus on my why more than I ever have. Here's number two. I'm reversing my bucket. I love this one. I'm reversing my bucket. Instead of seeing what I still want to accomplish, I'm looking at what I already have. This is big. I'm looking in my bucket with what I have, not going, I still look without and say, I'd like it to be in my bucket. Does that make sense? Yeah. When's the last time you actually gave time to that? In fact, I'm not going to ask you to it here. Maybe you ought to turn to your spouse and say, when's the last time I've actually thanked God for that? Does your spouse feel thankful from you? To your kids? I can tell you this. In America, the average father, you ready for this? The average father, if not all, would say family is very important. And yet the average father in America spends 5% of their time or less with, a church, with their children. <laughs> Evidently, your family is not that important. But I got all this stuff to do. You don't get your purpose because I'm here to tell you, God cares more about you being a father than anything you'll ever accomplish out there. See, that's the why. That's what matters. That's the stuff when you get it, it begins to change. I get up and remember why. So I look in my bucket. I look in my bucket. Folks, think about this way. Imagine, imagine this. If Kay would have never met me, then her life would have sucked. No, okay. I mean, that's bad. Okay. All right. But really, what if Kay and I would have never met? You ready for this? We wouldn't be celebrating the coming of a grandchild this fall. I'm so grateful for my three girls. Even when their decisions aren't always the decisions I would hope for them, or maybe God would have for them, I'm still madly in love with my three girls. And I can't wait to be a granddaddy. I just can't wait. I get so excited about it. Folks, listen to this. Did you know the direction of your bucket. Are you thankful for what you have in it or what you still want in it? You ready for this? The direction of your bucket, whether you want stuff in it or you're grateful for what's already there, is the difference of living a life of greed 
and a life of gratitude. Did you know that? That's why I'm reversing my bucket. I'm so grateful. See, you can't give thanks for something you have yet to accomplish because you don't even know what you're thankful for. That's the problem when you don't understand your why and you keep on the chase. You're never going to be satisfied. So I'm looking within my bucket going, my goodness, if I die today, it's been an awesome life. Wow, God, I am so, so grateful. So, so grateful. That's why he says, always give thanks. Always give thanks. That's a life of gratitude. Here's the third one. And I'm going to say it. Don't freak out. Please don't run to the door. Okay. I'm choosing to embrace the little things. Now watch this. And what I've discovered is God is the littlest thing. Don't run to the door. To truly be alive is to be mindful of where I am right now, this very moment. Not where I'd like to be or hope to be. See, because I know who my Jesus is and I'm convinced he's able to guard that which I've entrusted to him until that day. My hope is already set. I'm going to be in glory with Jesus. That allows me in a moment. See, I think we want the big things of God. That's why next week, next Sunday night, I hope you're all there. I hope this place is packed. I want to talk about the why. I think we need to do some things and what that means for us to be all in. It's not because we're chasing something out there. It's because of the why that's in here when we really understand it. And I think we have a moment in time right now, church, like never before. And it'll blow your mind as you see how big this is. But watch this. I'm not chasing the big. Because to see the big things of God, you need to have eyes, right? When's the last time you thanked him for those eyes? See, I think we want to hear the big things of God. But you got to have ears to hear it. When's the last time you just thanked him for the ears? That's why I think we need to pray as David Teach us to make the most of our time. Make the most of our time, God. So we have to decide, be determined to live our lives with no regrets. Here's the last one. We have to choose to be devoted to truly loving without remorse. Like I'm going to live with no regrets, but I'm going to love with no remorse. Romans 12 says what? Love each other with a genuine affection, with a genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. But you know where that starts? It doesn't start here. You know what I think the issue in the church is? It's right here. You might want to write these words down. A battery cannot put out what it does not have. A battery cannot put out what it does not have. You cannot love someone more than you love you. If your tank's only a quarter full, that's where your marriage is at. That's where your parenting's at. That's where your friendships are at. You can't do it. To argue that is to completely say then God's word is not God's word because Jesus said you're to love your neighbor as. Because Jesus knows you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what's sad is so many people can't love without remorse because the person they're most remorseful against is themselves. 
They don't like themselves. I love myself. I love who I am. And the more I understand that in Christ, the more freer I am to be able to do what I can do. I'm so accepting because I'm not comparing. There are people that blow my doors off when it comes to communicating and speaking. I'm like, listen, but they're not my, they're not my focus. They're not my competition. It doesn't matter. What matters is right here. And being faithful what God has asked me to do. Our ability to love starts here, here. And the fruit of it will always go here. So let me tell you two things. If we're really devoted then to loving without remorse, can I just quickly give them to you? Here's the first one. Say it. Just say it. Just say it. My goodness, tell them. They're sitting next to you. Turn to them, okay? Text them. Kids do it all the time, even though they're sitting next to them. Just text them. I love you, all right? Okay? Tweet them. I don't even know what tweeting means anymore, all right? So evidently, every, you're supposed to have a tweeter so you can tweet. I don't get it, all right? I'm like, leave that to the birds. But a devoted love leaves nothing unsaid, a devoted love. So again, by the way, again, you might want to grasp this. The person sitting next to you may not be with you next week. They may be pitching. Did you know that the most popular phrases in life are but just a few words? It doesn't even take much. You can do it, okay? I believe in you. I'm so proud of you. I love you. You rock, Keith, okay? All right, so take out your phone right now. Take out your phone. I want you to take out your phone right now. I don't want you to text somebody. Go ahead. Some of you got my number. I'm waiting. Good. I got nothing. Come on. Whoo, I still got nothing. Come on. All right, I'm waiting. Thank you. I just got two. <laughs> Eric just told me you rock. That's right. I love this is great. My phone's lighting up. This is a, every one of them's the same. You rock, man. You rock. You rock. You rock. All right. <laughs> it's like, wow, you need to get out more. But here's what my point is. How hard was that? Did you guys know that I go through my phone once a month? Every phone number I got once a month. And I just pray through it. God, who do I need to just reach out to? In our denomination, the most common thing I hear about my life is people walk up to me and say, you are such an encourager. I just reach out to them and say, hey, just thinking about love you. God, if God, I just go through it every month. I say, God, who, need, who needs a word of encouragement right now? And I'm well in over half those numbers. And someone goes, how do you have time for that? <laughs> I've taught you on that. Just Say it. You have the power with a few words to change someone's life forever. That's the beauty of this thing. Here's number two. Don't just say it. Sow it. Sow it. I'm talking about actions. Folks, we need to talk, but we need to walk, right? We need to just sow it. Nothing grows. You might want to write this down. Nothing grows until a seed gets planted. Nothing grows until a seed gets planted. That's why we're telling you, invite someone to the Easter sunrise service. We want to encourage you to people. Folks, the reason why the room isn't that big, we only have room for so many, but invite someone, bring a friend, show up in the morning. I can't wait for Easter sunrise, but what a time to invite people to come because I'm going to share a message and I just shared it with Reed. This is a message people need to hear, right, Reed? Yeah. 
I can't wait to preach this message. But Easter, what a time to go down to the Orpheum Theater and watch the Passion and the Cross. Go online to Washington Pavilion and get your tickets and go and be a part of that. 1 John 3 says, let's stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our what? Acts. Sam, come on. Let's drop this saying we love each other. Let's really show it by our actions. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. No regrets. No remorse. So I close with this. How many heartbeats do you have left? Go ahead, write them down. When's the last time you thank God for that heartbeat? When's the last time someone else thanked you, thanked you for that heartbeat? Father, I'm looking forward to next week because we're going to talk more about risk. Then if we're really going to live and love, if we're really going to see people as we spoke about last week, see them as you see them, to care about the way you care. God, to live our lives, no regrets, no remorse. I can't wait next week to talk about risk. And here we are then, Palm Sunday, the following week, and then Easter. And then, God, we're going to watch a whole bunch of our young people stand here and preach the Word of God. Because that's a risk I'm going to take every day, pouring my heart into that next generation. God, we're in a beautiful place right now. In an unbelievable, beautiful place. I hope people don't see it or hear it. That it's somehow crossroad of choice that could be anything but great when we really get it. We just got to take it. So God, I pray right now that people would stop and go, wow, I don't know how many heartbeats I have. What I do know is today, as it ticks, I'm going to make good on every one of them. On every one of them. No regrets, no remorse, just today. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.